Good morning. Morning. Welcome to the show, David. <laughs> it's good to have another chance to talk about posts for once. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little while, and wow, there's been uh, quite a bit of news in the last week or two. <laughs> Man, all sorts. Did you hear about that FaceTime bug? I'm sure you did. <laughs> so I made the title of the post... Um, Major iPhone FaceTime bug lets you hear the audio of the person you're calling before they pick up. It's, it's, I don't know, it sounds like something that's to be impossible to happen. Like, how does this get through Apple's QA? Um, but I, I caught on to the story, the, like the very the tail end of it. Like, by the time I had read about this bug, Apple had already uh, shut down the group FaceTime servers. Which I was disappointed, not getting a chance to try it myself, but did you try it out? No, I was in the exact same boat. Mm. I, well, I guess being at the uh, awake during the American night, right? I, by the time I found it and came across the news, even the first thing in the morning, this uh, group FaceTime service had already been shut down. So no, I didn't. I was quite excited to try it too. <laughs> so all you had to do was make a FaceTime call to someone and then add yourself to the call again using the like the new group features that came along recently. Mm-hmm. And then you're instantly hearing what the other person's phone or Mac or iPad or iPod Touch, I guess, um, whatever the microphone is picking up. Incredible. I mean, I, uh, I don't really know <laughs> what their testing process is, but I can't imagine adding yourself to a FaceTime call was one of the uh, the step-by-step procedures that they put someone through when this um, feature was being tested. Well, it's going to be from now on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, And potentially even worse, if you were to try to hit the, the volume buttons or the lock switch when your phone was ringing to try to end the call, you actually would also be sending then video of yourself to the caller. <laughs> that's amazing as well <laughs> I mean people are were justifiably upset that something like this exists and it looks really really bad on Apple did you see uh, a few weeks ago at CES Apple put billboards up saying what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone kind of uh, advertising their security at the big CES event and then for this to happen right after not a good look and wasn't it like World Privacy Day or something like that during oh, the was discovery it? of this as well? <laughs> yeah, I saw something like I that. I didn't know there was a World Privacy Day, but... <laughs> uh, I probably got the name wrong, but something to that effect. <laughs> so, an interesting uh, addition to the story is that uh, someone came out, and not even came out, they just had been trying to share this bug with Apple uh, for a little over a week now, uh, if there's a Twitter account, MGT7500, who's been reporting this bug to Apple since January 20th. And it looks like they've also been trying to share it with uh, various news sources who all completely ignored her until, I don't know, I don't know who found this and made it big. It wasn't this person, but after it got big, <laughs> but after it got big, all the news is getting on him. <laughs> yeah. Um it was I'm fairly sure it was Benjamin Mayo from nine to five that kind of picked it up and exploded it. Uh, <laughs> detonated it. 
But this Twitter user, this person who, whose child, I believe, discovered the bug, mm-hmm. when they called Apple support, Apple support told them to make a Apple developer account and then file a radar. And then that radar was marked as a duplicate of something else. And that was as far as it got through the <laughs> bug reporting process. So it sounds like Apple was already aware of the bug. And we're maybe hoping to get a fix pushed out before mainstream media picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Regarding the the video component of this, mm-hmm. it makes you wonder why Apple hasn't put a little green LED next to the cameras on the iPhones and iPads just like they have on a Mac. Something like that would certainly make people feel more secure especially after something like this i would love to have something like that especially if it doubled as like a little notification led that was one of my favorite features of like the old android phones i had having a little different colored light shining on my phone for different notifications if i could if they could like integrate those features together that'd be really cool uh, you can count me in the pool of people that would turn that off immediately. I used to have that on a an old BlackBerry. Yeah? And it would drive me wild. Why is that? Having the phone notify me of anything just annoys me nearly all the time. <laughs> it's It's already enough of an attention-seeking device that I don't need one more feature on there to try and pull me towards it. Right. I'm very happy to turn off badges, turn off notifications and um and use do not disturb as much as possible. So Yeah. There's no end hell I'd I turn off <laughs> a little flashing LED. I guess <laughs> now that I have an Apple Watch, the notification LED is kind of redundant anyway, but uh I d I didn't use it for everything, but if like there was one specific, like one person who I wanted to make sure I got their messages, I would assign them to the light and have it come on if I get text from them or something. Uh-huh, Not something okay. to bombard me. So it could but be useful. Like, yeah, if something really important happened, I wanted to wanted it to catch my eye. So do you leave the notification indicator on on your Apple Watch? Yeah, I do. Do you turn it off when you have a watch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First thing I do, I'll turn off the little um, red dot. Huh. I mean, it is kind of annoying because most of the notifications I don't care about. And, and seeing the dot just makes me want to go in and clear all of my notifications. So I could I could see I could see where that where you'd want to do that, but I don't know. It never even occurred to me to try to turn it off. So Apple's response to the FaceTime bug. I mean, firstly, they said there's going to be an update release released later this week, and we haven't seen that yet. But then, pretty promptly after that, they just turned off the group FaceTime servers. Right. Um, so it became impossible to add someone to a FaceTime call, and so the bug became unexploitable. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is the response I would would hope for uh, from Apple. Assume This is the response I would hope for from Apple the moment they know something is wrong. <laughs> Assuming that someone high up enough to make decisions like that was aware a week ago. I feel like it should have been done a week ago. Uh, but I also know how user-supported bugs, you know, especially a company like Apple, gets thousands a day, and it could be easy for something important to be missed for a few days. Yeah, they're probably getting 
thousands of radars a day and then like tens of thousands of feedback are submitted every day as well. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to keep one other interesting thing I noted about this news cycle on mm-hmm. uh, this news topic is it didn't really make it out of the the tech sphere as far as i could tell i didn't have anyone in my family or on social circles coming to me and saying did you hear about the facetime bug yeah i haven't heard anything either which was surprising to me uh have you seen the new youtube channel the apple the apple circle no i haven't heard of it uh it's a new offshoot channel i believe jonathan morrison kind of started it and he's uh I don't know. I would, I don't know what the word is. Sponsoring it. He's not hosting the show, but he's kind of funding it. But they they put out a video about uh, this this uh, bug, and they had in their video a bunch of clips from different uh, like news reels, like way over exaggerating the issue with like covering their whole phone in duct tape and saying you it's not unsafe to use your phone anymore and. <laughs> So it seems like it seems like the the media did try at least to drum up a lot of like public attention, but yeah, it doesn't seem to have spread anywhere. Mm, okay, so you didn't get any um, reports back to you as well, either. No, which is surprising because I usually do hear stuff like that from my parents the moment a bug that's potentially a safety issue comes out. So the next topic is that. Apple has dismissed more than 200 employees from Project Titan, its autonomous vehicle group. Now, the first thing I want to say about this is that I think it's a little bit uh, misleading in the title because if you read the article, um, I mean, the, the first thing you think when you read it is Apple has fired 200 people right from Apple. They're no longer working there. Right. Um, but the headline does specifically say they're dismissed from Project Titan and then if you go and read Apple's statement on the uh, on the news article, they say that the groups are being moved to projects in other parts of the company where they will support machine learning and other initiatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then further down, there is a, a continued belief there is a huge opportunity with autonomous systems uh, and that this is the most ambitious machine learning project ever. So I thought that was a little curious that it's saying they're being dismissed from the autonomous vehicle group, being moved to the machine learning groups, and that machine learning is a critical (laughs) part of autonomous vehicles. Yeah. What's really happening to these people? Following Project Titan has been so exhausting over the last five years. Uh, Because I remember when the rumors initially started up, Apple was designing their own vehicle from the ground up hardware and software both uh it was a couple years later we started hearing rumors that they'd scrapped the hardware side of the initiative and they're focusing on just autonomous driving software and they're looking to partner with another company on it uh but they still wanted to like design the car themselves they just wanted to have someone else make it and then then they just wanted to strap their system on top of someone else's car and now it sounds like at this point the only foreseeable use of their autonomous driving software is their shuttles between campuses. So Right. And, and there seems to be well there's a really good article that's uh linked first thing on the Reddit post. It's a good article from the New York Times and it does cover exactly what you said, the 
the start in 2014 where they wanted to build basically a car from scratch. Mm-hmm. And then they realized, oh, actually, it's quite hard to build simple things. <laughs> so they started like ordering wheels and doorknobs and things, mm-hmm. door handles. <laughs> um, at which point they moved on to trying to just source the entire chassis. And now, yeah, they're onto the Volkswagen T6, which is looks like some sort of van. So they've got, yeah, basically everything except the drivetrain and the tech inside i think yeah and all that information is uh sourced back to sourced from ex-employees of apple according to the article from the new york times so you have to take it with um at least some sort of legitimacy that this project has changed direction direction a ton of times and as an outsider, you'd say it's been basically off the rails from the start. Someone had some huge lofty goals yeah. and has been slowly and steadily brought back to earth to the point where you wonder what their long-term goal is here. Is it just to shuttle people around their campus? Um, I don't mind that they've got smaller goals like that. I mean, if you can create a like a base product even just for yourself that you're dog fooding say it's a self-driving car around your campus Mm -hmm. then you can use that as a a launch pad to create something that the public might use or even to go to like a like a private corporation that and that has the need for um moving a lot of people around and just taking it to those guys first and before launching it to the public um but it certainly sounds like they're on a track now that a path that has an end or at least has goals that is achievable and it's not just lofty <laughs> up in the air. Yeah, I remember when the the rumors started five years ago, uh we estimated that we would we would be getting the full Apple self driving car in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. And that seemed like forever ago. And now here we are almost on top of it. And even the biggest players in self-driving like Waymo and, and Tesla, you know, have made little progress in the last few years. I mean, I'm sure they've made significant gains in software, but as far as adoption or even public acceptance of the technology, uh, it really hasn't hasn't gained much ground. I know Waymo is pretty much the only company right now with almost fully autonomous cars actually on the road in their test city, I believe in Arizona, and they get chased down and rocks thrown at them all the time. They have to call the police. And I don't know. I feel like self-driving cars are farther away than I thought they were five years ago. And five years ago, they felt like they were forever away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the question, isn't it? How far away are they? Um, because you've certainly got cars that can drive you down the highway without too much of a risk. Right. But uh, it's that the last 1% and the first 1% of every journey, which is um, the tricky part, I guess you would say. <laughs> and and when's someone going to crack that? Yeah. And, and when are... 
laws and regulations going to catch up to the technology as well because it could already exist and be sitting on a shelf but until the government allows it to happen then you know we're never going to see it it's not going to be in the consumer's hands as long as there's some money pushing this forward i'm sure there'll be regulations introduced (laughs) yeah isn't that how things run there Uh, you know kind of and that's i'm sure part of what's the resistance as well though there's going to be the the transportation sector is is the largest employer in the country and if and if you if every taxi driver and uh, trailer truck driver loses their job overnight with the acceptance or passing of autonomous vehicle regulations there's going to be some major pushback the way i imagine it is that these say these truck drivers suddenly there are autonomous trucks mm-hmm. driving around the country it i reckon it's going to take decades before the the safety driver or the the person behind the wheel even if they're just sitting there um i don't know watching a movie or something it's going to take decades before they're removed from the vehicles completely so i'm not sure if the um the jobs factor is too much to worry about straight away yeah um companies like uber i imagine like private companies are more likely to be uh, aggressively trying to remove the driver from the um, equation, right? Uh, since that is a decent percentage of their bottom line is paying drivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, um, I can't. Wait. I make frequent trips that are, you know, a four-hour round trip, and I can't wait until I can just uh, sit back and not not have to worry about driving. Maybe even have a seat that faces the other way, so I can just play a game with my family or something. While I'm on the road, would uh, would one of the current like semi-autonomous cars be good enough in your books? Say if you had a Tesla and you got it on the road, and then it kind of did the rest for you for the three hours where you're just on a, a highway. Yeah, um, from the reviews I've seen of people who own Teslas, even though you still have to pay attention, you still have to have your hands on the wheel. The consensus I've heard is that. You can make long trips like that, two or three or four hours, with your car mostly in autonomous mode, and come out the other end like much less fatigued or tired at the end, because you can mostly relax. And driving for long distances can be pretty tiring, so I think I'd definitely be happy to have something like a Tesla. Um. And yeah, it's probably good enough for me, especially since the, like that entire two-hour drive for me is on an interstate, so I think it can handle the whole distance. I'm surprised that you feel like we're still decades away from losing a safety driver. I feel like we're closer to maybe a decade. Well, it's so hard to predict that far out into the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll have flying cars by then. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's got to be a huge breakthrough through before we get flying cars. But yeah, I, I do believe it's going to be late in the <laughs> nineteen uh, <1930s, laughs> in the twenty thirties um, yeah. before we 
get rid of his safety driver. That's me saying it on record in 2019. <laughs> so if this podcast is still going, then we will reference episode 27 okay. for that. I'm going to put, put of, my uh, prediction out there then as well. I think I think your prediction is right for mainstream consumer cars. I bet the wealthiest percentage of the population will be able to purchase a fully autonomous car in 10 to 15 years. Fully autonomous, as in you get in in your garage and it gets you to the next parking lot. Yeah. I say without we're talking on the wheel. Like these early models are going to be, you know, like a million, two million dollars. So I say by 2030, that'll exist for the for the wealthy, the wealthiest percentage of the population. And then in another decade, it'll be in the hands of most consumers. Why is this car costing $2 million, though? Because surely the part that does, you know, the fully autonomous part of your driving is just software and maybe some cheap hardware. Why does that have to be in, like a McLaren or Rolls-Royce, why couldn't you just put that in a Honda? Uh, I think it's going to have to do with companies. I mean, it's like, it's like, why does, uh, uh, why do wealthy people own airplanes? I'm going off the rails now. Uh, yeah, they, <laughs> because they're expensive. They, well, they have like a you know, personal jet. I feel like it's going to be kind of treated like that for a while. Uh, because maybe, Maybe the. No, I'm trying to justify my reasoning. Maybe there's no safety driver because there has to be someone monitoring the software from whatever some remote location, and so you're, you're ah, paying okay. for privilege. So every every two million car on the road is actually just being driven remotely. <laughs> it's a big RC car, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they actually have a little <laughs> double joystick in their hand, <laughs> powered by two double A batteries. There you go. Yep. I don't know. I just, I see companies like BMW implementing this first, like fully autonomous or not even BMW, maybe some new company like, like Tesla as a full driving car, but their SUVs cost a hundred thousand dollars. And I bet if they have this full self-driving car technology, they're going to cost more. Well, I think we've driven this into the ground. Pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we would spend about two minutes on that topic and then we've gone and spent like 25 minutes. (laughs) Uh, One of the next posts, the next top post from the last week is by user 0xff810000. A self-post, I paid $5,000 for a top-of-the-line MacBook Pro and it's utterly useless because it cannot keep itself cooled down. So, utterly useless is a little bit of hyperbole, but uh, so they're seeing that their monster CPU, their words, is clocked down to one gigahertz most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing a lot of dev work, involves running many processes at once, compiling code, starts to get horrible lag everywhere. Intel Power Gadget shows the CPU at one gigahertz, but then after putting it in the freezer, it goes back to normal. <laughs> That's not good on your. So computer. this is, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, the humidity. It only yeah. says a few minutes. I'm not sure it'll build up too con too much condensation, will it? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't risk it on my five thousand dollar laptop. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> so, the thing I'm wondering is this: is this just another nail in the coffin for this generation of MacBooks, or are we seeing the phenomenon where every current problem is ten times bigger than every previous problem, just because it's happening right now? I think there's probably a little bit of both. This design of MacBook Pro is unfortunately like probably the worst one they've ever made. I love the butterfly mechanism keyboard, uh, but but you especially can definitely attest that it's way too flawed to be in a consumer product. Uh, anything that breaks regularly and needs to go in for service only to break again weeks or months later, it, it shouldn't be in a multi-thousand dollar computer. Uh, as far as the overheating issue goes, I remember seeing this post uh, only a few days ago. It feels like it was like a week ago. And they admitted, the the OP had admitted they hadn't updated to that update that fixed allegedly fixed the overheating issue. And so I, I wrote off this post as, well, they didn't even update. They're just complaining about nothing. Uh, so the, preparing for this show was the first time I'd seen this post again and their follow-up where they had updated and still having the issue. Um, the i9s have an issue across the board. Apple's not the only manufacturer who's having trouble keeping it cooled adequately uh, in laptops. Uh, but I don't know if this is... This this specific instance feels like it's a, a defect with that computer because there's others... Uh, in the comments saying they're not seeing the throttling at all to the degree that, that the OP is describing. So probably a bit of both. Bad laptop design, but also kind of overblown in this case. So there was a massive throttle gate type situation when these laptops first came out, wasn't there? Yeah. And uh, that kind of faded away. Apple released the update 10.14.3 um, and that kind of quieted down any further complaints but did you see the edit one that uh, this user has actually put into their post because they then go on to say that the temperature seems to spike when they have two monitors plugged in and it is better without them Mm. so they're suspecting that it's actually the gpu that's uh causing it to tip over the edge on temperatures so the gpu is heating up trying to power three screens doesn't say what resolution these screens are at um, right, but the chassis itself, I guess, is just or the, the the cooling, what would you call it, cooling circuit is not capable of dealing both with a hot CPU and a hot GPU at the same time. I wonder if they have their laptop open or closed when they plug in those monitors, because it's easy to say that plugging in the monitors causes the GPU to run too hot, but also running a laptop when it's closed always makes it run hotter. So if they're sitting at a desk and plugging in their monitors and closing the laptop and sticking it off to the side, that can only be contributing to the overheating issue. But I don't see them clarifying. So where's the the airflow in this model? They've got vents underneath and down the sides, right, the, and yeah, then the, is and it out the back blown up. It's blown out out the back. Right. right? I don't believe the keyboard uh, itself is used for cooling like it was in some older generations, which was kind of a bad design but uh even still you're you're adding another layer uh 
of metal uh, between the air and the CPU. So even even though there's no air being sucked in or blown out through the keyboard, it's still a heat sink, and putting a uh, the lid down on top of that is just going to result in it heating up more. So the um, suggested solution is then to use an eGPU instead of the uh, the internal GPU, and that might reduce the situation, uh, reduce the temperature of the machine. Um, there hasn't been an update from the user. I mean, the post was only two days ago, mm-hmm. um, but he, he was going to go plead his case at the Genius Bar, and uh, I don't imagine he's going to get anywhere with it, really. <laughs> from uh, personal experience, I mean, I've only just got my <laughs> MacBook Pro back again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it actually took two visits to get the keyboard replaced this time. Because it would work on you when you got there, or what? Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, all right, this is a little bit of a tangent. but um, (laughs) (laughs) So I had it replaced for the first time in September, and it was quite an average keyboard from week one. I'll just lose keys randomly from, you know, for a couple of minutes, a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, just like you said, I never took it in because I wouldn't have a key die for long enough that I could take it in and show it wasn't working. And I suspected that I would get knocked back. And that was exactly what happened. I finally got sick of it, so sick of it, that I took it in, completely 100% working. Right. And uh, despite arguing for a decent amount of time, all I could convince them to do was clean it with their own little pressure blowers. Uh, Took it home, and then, of course, the next day, I lost a key again. Um, So I took it back the following day. And this time, I was met with a very stone-faced uh, genius employee mm-hmm. who did not seem interested in all at replacing my keyboard and only seemed interested in insisting that I clean it better. <laughs> um, despite me telling them that that Apple themselves at the Genius Bar had cleaned it mm-hmm. merely days ago. Right. Uh, but anyway, this time I, I told them in these words... Every time a key stops working, I'm going to be booking in a genius one and bring it in like every time until I get this replaced. And then that kind of convinced him to take it. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> a week later, I got it back with a new keyboard and so far so good, although it's only been about a week since then. That's a really frustrating experience and doesn't really sound like what you'd expect from an Apple store. Right. I, th- I mean, the impression I got is that these computers are just coming in all the time now with keyboard problems. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them were not working because people just aren't careful with their laptops and they're full of bread or baby powder, powder or whatever. <laughs> uh, and it is a decent response a lot of the time to tell someone to just keep their computer cleaner. I mean... It's not a decent response. It's not decent that these keyboards are breaking and they're so flaky, but um, yeah, you know what I mean. Clean your keyboard better is the new you're holding it wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but my keyboard was fairly spotless and I had been very careful being you know, fully aware that these are very fragile keyboards and it's still going bad on me. Right. So it was frustrating to have to take it into the city 
on multiple occasions, you know, pay for parking and walk down to Apple and wait your 20 minutes for a genius appointment because they're always 20 minutes behind. <laughs> and um, they get knocked back once and then have to fight for it a second time. The worst part to me about going to the Apple store for anything is that I have a really hard time walking out empty-handed. I know the feeling. So that's how I got my new Apple Watch. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so my my uh, LASIK surgery was done next door to an Apple store. And I'm like, I'll just walk in and check things out while I wait for my appointment. And I'm like, oh, man, the new Apple Watches are right here, and they look really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, And I don't get to go to an Apple store very often because it's two hours away from me. So kind of a special occasion oh uh, okay <laughs> yeah that's a bit of a hassle then if something breaks yeah <laughs> but worth the opportunity to take uh, to take the opportunity when it's right next door yeah and actually after trying on watches i decided i was going to get a uh a gold one this time around which is fun oh wow bling bling <laughs> the selling point to me was that i had i was worried about switching from stainless steel to gold because uh, all my existing bands are for stainless steel, and I was worried the lugs would look really bad on a gold watch body. Uh, but the gold is so subtle, you can not really tell they're different, and I felt okay with it. So, And I wanted to try out a new color. So it's a stainless steel watch with the gold color. So right. it's uh, this nice shiny-looking gold instead of the... Yeah, it looks like the original Apple Watch editions almost. <laughs> but it's not 24 karat gold no it's not an eighteen thousand dollar watch unfortunately no okay <laughs> uh with or without lte then uh with you can only get stainless steel with lte oh can you i didn't know that okay yeah yeah only aluminum ones have the wi-fi only option so. do you have an lte plan on it uh i don't at the moment i didn't set it up because i'm about to switch carriers I didn't want to do the hassle of setting it up and then switching it. So um, We're really going through topics slowly today, and there's still something I want to say on these MacBook <laughs> Pros. Um, okay. Have you seen the the um, display cable flaw, often referred to as the stage light bug, or not really a bug, it's a hardware fault, the stage light fault, where these MacBook Pros, the the cable that connects the display to the computer instead of being routed through a hinge is routed around a hinge and the result of opening and closing it x number of times starts to break the cable down and you get what looks like a like if you imagine a theater light kind of shining up from the bottom of the display that's been pretty widely reported um and there's, I guess, another nail in the coffin of this model, if you're going with that analogy. Yeah, Apple really needs to completely rethink their laptops with the next iteration of MacBook Pro. Uh, I mean, just like a complete ground-up redesign. Maybe we should ditch the aluminum unibody design. We've seen that for... Well, since the MacBook Pro launched, we've had aluminum. Uh, maybe we can go with a carbon fiber laptop something thin and light and with really sturdy keys yeah okay carbon fiber is it going to have that classic carbon fiber look like you'd see in a racing bike as well like that <laughs> cross hatch uh yeah sure i only, I only say that because i remember this is probably 
almost 10 years ago now, there are rumors that Apple was experimenting with a carbon fiber body for the laptops. Um, so they've at least looked at other materials. How about uh, ceramic? Like the Apple Watch <laughs> edition. That'd be really heavy. That'd be really, really heavy. Oh, I thought ceramic was light. No, I'm I'm fairly sure that like a, a piece of ceramic would weigh more than the same amount of aluminum because the ceramic Apple Watch weighs way more than the aluminum one. Mm, okay. But all right, we'll see. I but know. I do agree that <laughs> we need to see the next generation. <laughs> Pushing on as an exclusive from 9 to 5 Mac from none other than Guillaume Rambo himself who's found in the latest <laughs> iOS 12.2 beta that it includes a Hey Siri setup interface. So, I mean, we can only guess from that that the next AirPods are going to be coming out in the not-too-distant future, especially since it's been included in a beta and it's not uh, like iOS 13 or something like that. I don't want <laughs> Hey Siri in my... Sorry, I don't want the catchphrase in my AirPods, but I do want new AirPods. Why wouldn't you want it on your AirPods? Because there are far too many things around me that already respond to this catchphrase, and I think the AirPods are probably going to be the least likely thing I would want to respond. I think my my HomePod is basically the only thing that I still use yo siri with mm-hmm. um it's definitely switched off on my phone i mean my computer doesn't support it but i've got type to siri on there anyway um so if i'm walking around the house with my airpods in and i say the catchphrase what's going to mm-hmm. respond is it going to be my phone then via my airpods or is it going to be the home pod or is it going to be a uh what do you call it a, a crapshoot to use <laughs> a, an expression that's not in this country um oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what's your what do you have a similar expression in australia no no that's why i used crapshoot because i couldn't think of what i would say oh, okay <laughs> uh i guess you have a different use case than me if i have my airpods in i'm not at home so i don't have any, any other devices around that would respond besides my watch so for me i feel like it would make sense to have have yo siri on the airpods but, yeah, if you're at home, that could be very annoying. I already know it's annoying for me just to be in a room with a computer and a phone and a HomePod all in one. A little while ago when we touched on this, because it was rumored, it was rumored a while ago, mm-hmm. and I think it was you, it might have been on the, one of the other guys that said that they're not going to be talking to Siri as they walk down the street in public. Um, is that how you feel about it? Yeah, that was definitely me. Uh, yeah, I don't really use Siri much at all. Uh, if I'm, I don't even know what I'd use it for. Besides, besides basic music playback or like initiating a call, I'll tell Siri to call someone. Uh, but I wouldn't respond to a text message through Siri, even if I had my AirPods in. I don't know. I don't like broadcasting my business to other people. So if I had my AirPods in. You know, Siri was reading a text to me. Other people wouldn't be able to hear it, at least, but they'd be able to hear what I'm saying. So, 
I don't know. I feel like I'd be more annoying to other people and, and, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it out in public. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you might say, yo Siri, just to, to set a timer or make a reminder or something like that. And then in public. Yeah. That's like happily. the, the only reason I use Siri anywhere is <laughs> yeah, set, yeah, exactly. set an alarm. <laughs> so I'm, I might ask Siri to read a text message to me or something, I guess. If I was walking down the street, my phone buzzed. But I've got a watch for that. I don't know. It feels like all of these features are starting to step on each other's toes a bit, and I really don't need all these devices to do the same thing. Yeah, there the absolutely needs to be some better way of specifying which device does the command. I mean, the one of the most annoying things with the HomePod is that sometimes it'll take over a Yo Siri command for something it can't do, and oh, you've got to think that Apple is thinking about this. So I would be pleased to see this update introduce. I can't even imagine what it would be. Um, maybe oh, you always do X command on X device, so we're always going to send it there if both devices hear you. Something like that. For instance, I would always right. set a timer on the HomePod. I would always start music play- playback on the HomePod. Um, maybe machine learning comes in there and takes over some of the smarts. Um, do you remember back to that intro video? What was it for? I think it was for the iPhone event last year um, where the, the woman actually just triggered Siri with her voice. I think you brought that up on yeah. the show, actually. Yeah, yeah. She was running across to Apple Park and used her AirPods to say, Hey, Siri. Oh, and now my phone goes off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's been a long time in the making. Uh, these have been rumored for almost a year now. So I'm more excited for the other features besides this that's going to be coming with the new AirPods. There's rumors some rumors about health tracking features, but that's about the extent of the rumors is that they're going to have some kind of health feature. I don't know if I'm too excited for that i don't know what they can implement that the apple watch doesn't do already uh but the potential for just more controls on the airpods is what i'm looking forward to maybe recognizing more taps or different gestures on the sides or just better battery life that'd be the number one selling point for me right or actually even if they came out now with the same battery life as the original airpods it would be better than what i've got now (laughs) yeah so i think it's going to be an easy upgrade I can't imagine what health features are going to go in there. I mean, they might be able to fit one of those motion coprocessors in there. But what's that going to give you? Like you said, that uh, your your iPhone or your Apple Watch doesn't already give you. Um, Yeah, maybe they're going (laughs) to, I don't know, put little cameras on the end so they can look in your ear and tell you if you have an ear infection. But wait, someone can FaceTime your AirPods and then listen to your ears. <laughs> um, the, the thing I'm most wanting out of new AirPods, besides battery life, which could just be achieved by buying new AirPods, really, um, mm-hmm. is a better fit for my ears. Um, the current ones do fit well, but a better fit certainly could be achieved somehow. Maybe changeable tips or... I'm not sure. It doesn't seem very Apple-like, but they have done it before, like with the Apple in-ear um, headphones. Yeah. Uh, and the second one, 
It's just slipped my mind. It is... Ah, yeah. Some sort of better pairing. Um, I know that the W chips are supposed to... Well, they do make pairing a little bit better than just regular Bluetooth headphones, but I still have frequent troubles switching devices, um, just not detecting my AirPods. Uh, you know, you pull your AirPod out for two seconds to to, to, show, to talk to someone to show you that you're listening. You put it back in and then suddenly it's like paired to a different device and just ridiculous things like that. Um, oh, yeah. That's probably all software related, but maybe it's something to do with the sensors on the AirPod itself. Um, this is a great time to put an AirBuddy plug in. Yeah, did you buy it? Uh, I haven't bought it yet. This is recording this podcast is the first time I've been on my Mac since uh, Guy released it. So, okay. Do you want to give us an overview of what it does? Yeah. Um, for those that aren't aware, AirBuddy is the AirPod pairing and battery monitoring software that uh, Guy Rambo was talking about on our interview with him in the last show. He did a pretty good job summing it up then. But basically, it's just a tool to overcome those issues you were just describing and help you pair, like force a pair to your Mac faster. And then it also has some really cool visuals, like the actual AirPod pairing animation you get on your phone. Guy was able to get that on the Mac. And then also a widget in the toolbar. I don't even know what it's called on the side. Notification center. (laughs) Notification center. He's got little widgets over there. Uh, to see the battery levels of not only your AirPods, but most of your ba- your wirelessly connected devices with batteries. Yeah, he's working on getting the, the mouse and probably the keyboard in there as well. So that's a handy little widget to have. Yeah, it sounds really nice. I'll have to check it out. And I think it's, what, $10? Uh, $5, or from $5. So it's a pay-what-you-feel minimum of $5. Oh, great. I think it's yeah. a instant buy. Yeah, great buy, great great way to sponsor Guy now that he's going indie. Good way to show your support at the very least. So there's one more topic, which is that yeah. the iOS 12.2 beta includes references to four new iPad models and a new iPod Touch model. And uh, speak of the devil, this was actually written by Guillaume Rambo. Uh, but some of the information <laughs> did come from Steve Trout and Smith as well. Uh, so you can credit both of those guys for this information. I think the most exciting thing for me is the new iPod. <laughs> like, like any new low-end iPad I'm not interested in, but this iPod sounds interesting. No, exactly. Low-end iPad, maybe a, an iPad mini, which is not going to be anything but lowish end certainly not going to be an ipad mini pro um, right. but yeah an, an ipod it's a curious little subject because supposedly it has no biometrics so that means no touch id no face id similar to what the ipod is now so the question right. is are we going to, have to get the exact same body just with an a10 instead of an a8 or whatever's in there at the moment or are they going to do something crazy like make it edge to edge with the notch, but the only thing in the notch is a camera and a speaker, and then you just enter your passcode when you swipe up? Well, they wouldn't even need to put a speaker in it because the iPod doesn't have a front-facing speaker, so they would just need a 
a camera on the front. Maybe it's going to be the Infinity O a la Samsung. <laughs> I don't think there's any way they're going to... Well, maybe if they do a liquid retina display, but even that sounds like too expensive of a feature to put in an iPod. I mean, iPod's not important to Apple anymore. It used to make up the majority of their their uh, revenue once upon a time, and now it hasn't been updated in almost five years. But uh, I don't think they're going to put any kind of fancy, expensive, modern tech in the iPod. I'm more inclined to think we're going to see the same body with just a little faster CPU in it. The other thing that counts against the possibility of putting a um, liquid retina screen in there is that I'm not sure that they would then fit a headphone jack and I cannot see them releasing a music player, like a dedicated music player basically, <laughs> without a headphone jack. Man, that would be quite a statement. <laughs> it sure would be. <laughs> that would be courageous. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, you're you're completely right. I don't. There's no way we're gonna see an edge to edge display on an iPod, probably ever, because this one's probably gonna be the last one they ever make. But iPod used to be a really big deal to me, so it's kind of nostalgic to see this back before I was back before I could afford the new iPhone every year. I got the new iPod Touch every year when they released those and. That was the one Apple product I owned was an iPod Touch. And now here we are with our own podcast about it. It's kind of like my origin (laughs) story. (laughs) The first Apple product that I bought with my own money was the first generation iPod Shuffle. And that was just the most amazing device. I think I've I've owned pretty much every Shuffle because it was just so compelling just to have this little stick with a ton of music on it and a cord to your ears and that was it. So simplistic, no screen, a few buttons. Did you get the 512 megabyte or the one gigabyte shuffle? Oh, good question. Um, (laughs) I think I remember the price of it, but I'd have to go back and see which model that price bought. My favorite, this might be my favorite iPod of all time, if we're talking about strictly the music playing ones, was the third gen shuffle. It had no buttons on it. I felt like living in the future when that came out. Yeah, so all the buttons were just in line with the headphones. And the sync mechanism was like a three and a half mil jack to USB. Right, yeah, that's still the... Well, that was still what they used up until they discontinued it a couple years ago. (laughs) Ah, okay. Yeah, I absolutely loved that shuffle as well. But that was out around the time that I was switching to iPhone, I think. I mean, that's pushing my memory a bit, but... um, Despite loving it, it, mine didn't get too much use. I remember, <laughs> even back then, Apple was taking flack for if you wanted to use different headphones with an iPod, you had to buy a, a dongle. It wasn't even a dongle Apple made. You had to buy like a Belkin dongle that <laughs> yeah, put right. the controls between the iPod and your headphones. And yeah, <laughs> but man, I sure thought that was that was cool and so tiny. Yeah, it was it was miniature. I can't even think of something that small to to compare it against. It was like a pinky finger on a child. There you go. <laughs> Man, that's the weirdest comparison I could have made. <laughs> Moving on. So, four new iPads as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so 2017, 2018 both saw the non-pro iPads released uh, in March. So if you follow on that pattern and this rumor, I think it's basically a given that we're going to get some new iPads. Um, but how they're different from last year's iPad is the question. Are we just going to get uh, an A11 in them? Are we going to see the squared off design and then compatibility with the new Apple Pencil? Um, I certainly think we're going to keep the current um, bezel sizes and touch ID, um, but uh, and that would also lead to probably original Apple spent only Apple Pencil support only uh, if, if there's no like flat edge right. to charge the new one. Um, but I'm I'm not really thinking there's going to be much more than that besides the other usual spec updates like cameras and battery life and whatnot. Yeah, I suspect we're going to see yeah some spec updates, faster processors. The mini is going to get pencil support, but it's going to be first gen pencil support, and that's about it. Uh, but I think March is going to be an exciting event. Besides these new iPads, and probably the new iPod Touch, we're probably going to see those new AirPods. And I am saying now that we're going to see air power as well. All right, big call. Okay. (laughs) We will see. Guy seemed to be kind of coy about knowing something about Uh coming out soon. (laughs) (laughs) I just had a thought. So the current iPod Touch and the iPad Mini are both running A8 processors. Um. Maybe the A8 Mm -hmm. production is like end of life and all they're going to be doing is putting like an A9 or an A10 uh, in the Mini and the iPods and then calling it a day just to serve that small sliver of market that is still buying those devices. Yeah, because I bet Apple's going to be about dropping support for the A8 chips with their newer versions of iOS because that's what the 5S has, right? It's an A8 or an A7? Uh, Might be 5S, an A7. A7, I think. A7. Yeah, A7. <laughs> trying to do the math in my head. Okay. Uh, so so maybe the A8s have another year, but I think A7s are going to lose support this year. So A8s m- maybe have another year left, but maybe they're going to mm-hmm. drop two generations at once this year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the chance of seeing the Mac Pro at the March event, I think, is incredibly slim. Yeah, that wouldn't feel like the right time with all these kind of lower-end consumer products. Feels like it might not be the right audience to announce the Mac Pro to. It's got to be Maybe, WWDC. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking not as well. its own entire event in um, May, <laughs> let's say. That would be big. <laughs> <laughs> The 2013 redesign didn't get its own event. It got stuck at the end of the iPhone event. Yeah, right. Okay. I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't All know. Right. Maybe maybe we won't see it until the end of the year. I'm, I'm going to just put on the record that my guess is WWDC because I think it's just the perfect audience for it. And then it's not... Say it's the only hardware device at WWDC and it's not playing second fiddle to... Um, iOS devices in um, September, and uh, but then it won't ship for like six months, <laughs> maybe twenty twenty. <2020. laughs> 
Well, I don't know, man. The way they were talking, it sounds like it's supposed to be here this year, hopefully. But what do you think about IMAX? We're in the longest span of time since an IMAX update ever, so I feel like we're due for an IMAX at some point. I can see the uh, IMAX getting a silent update, like just a spec bump on mm-hmm. the website and no event. Yeah, it, it does seem Apple style recently to to give regular updates like that instead of leaving things for three, four, five years and then, you know, releasing something subpar. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Maybe again at WWDC. Oh, yeah. Just do a Mac event in, in the summer. That'd be new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> All right, on that note, shall we wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. I'm James VDM on Reddit and on Twitter. And I'm Jellywoot on Reddit and Twitter. And we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the Apple Show. And thanks to 3DMN and All Nutty, um, who left us some feedback on our, uh, on our post on the Apple subreddit for the last show with Guillermo Rambo. I'm curious about your uh, New Year resolution topic. Well, there wasn't much of a topic, really. I just wanted to talk about it, see how... I mean, yours wasn't a resolution. You just said you wanted to fill in your Apple Watch rings a lot more. Mm-hmm. And mine was to not have any added sugar or caffeine. So, do you want to go first? Since uh, um, Yeah, I go mine, first. Mine didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> mine didn't go well either. I, I did good for the first few days of the year. I filled all my rings. And then I had a uh, uh, laser eye surgery and I had to like lay down with my eyes closed for two days to let them heal. I was supposed to keep them closed as much as possible. Uh, so I completely lost those two days and then I lost my motivation. I'm like, well, this sucks. I already lost my streak. I want to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to try to restart again in uh, February and get a fresh start on trying to fill a month. Uh, now you can exercise without glasses though. They- yeah. Surely that's going to motivate you. <laughs> I don't think the glasses were ever the thing holding me back, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe you could take up a water sport. That would have been a hassle in the past, right? Putting in contacts every time you want to get in the water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I preferred... Well, there's actually not much water around here, but I guess I could find a, a swimming pool or something. Uh-huh. So, what about you? How'd yours go? Uh, well, it went better than a few days. <laughs> um actually the no sugar resolution that fairly well held out i mean i had a few days maybe three or four in total where i uh, skipped or cheated uh, Mm -hmm. on the resolution but overall i you know i've been skipping the chocolate after dinner and that sort of thing and um what else like no ice cream when i go to the movies uh yeah so it's held up pretty well you guys have ice cream at the movies? Yeah, do you not? I it's mean, like the quintessential thing. Besides popcorn, you get like uh, ice cream and popcorn. No, that is not a thing at all here. Like you get you get your popcorn and like a box of sweets um, and like a high-end fancy movie theater with like a restaurant in it. Well, you could maybe get ice cream for your movie, but that's not a regular thing at all here. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's actually very specific 
type of ice cream you get here and you don't actually get it anywhere else. Okay. So if you imagine like a, like a two-inch cone mm-hmm. and then with uh, real ice cream on top, not soft serve, and then it is coated in like a hard layer of chocolate and then that entire thing is then put into a plastic bag and then put in a freezer at the theater. So oh, okay. uh, that's what you're pulling out of the, the freezer, a little plastic bag with what's called a choc top or a choc bomb in there. Uh-huh. That sounds like it has the potential to be really messy in a dark theater. I think because the whole thing is frozen, like they're not mm-hmm. pulling it out of a, um, like I don't know what you call it, like a, a cold bain-marie, but that type of thing. They're not serving it out of a little tub in front of you into a warm cone. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is coming out of a um, deep freeze. So it actually stays cold. It certainly doesn't get drippy. The one uh, problem that you might have is the, the chalk coating can flake off and then if you miss that then you could work, walk out of the movie with a few bits of melted chocolate on your shirt oh, right. afterwards <laughs> if you're not careful <laughs> yeah, i'd be scared to give that to like my six-year-old or something that would definitely be a mess they're <laughs> yeah. gonna come out a mess no matter what though a six-year-old you give them like yeah a piece of paper and they come out covered in blood or <laughs> they'll find some way to make a mess uh, well, that's awesome. I'm going to have to go see a movie if I ever come to Australia just for the ice cream experience. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and the other part of my resolution was the no caffeine. Right. Um, and that's gone a little bit worse. I've I've hit the decaf coffees pretty hard as a replacement, but mm-hmm. uh, I consider that cheating still because, I don't know, I still get a buzz from a decaf coffee. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't think many people do, but for some reason that, that like 0.1% of caffeine... Um, huh. It still hits me. Wow. And uh, and black tea. So I'm definitely putting a, a little X next to that one. Yeah. So I'm at 50% for my <laughs> resolutions. Well, I picked up a uh, kind of a secondary resolution right at the start of the year. So I don't know if it counts if you make it like at the beginning of January. But uh, uh, my girlfriend and I decided we we're going to try to learn how to paint. Uh, and we got... All, all the art supplies, and we have, like, once a week, we sit down and we watch a, one of the Bob Ross videos, and we try to paint along with him. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm no good yet, but give, give me a year. A year? <laughs> <laughs> At least. I want to see progress updates along the way, just so I can appreciate how far you come okay, throughout I, the year. I had considered, when I started the hobby, I'm like, maybe I'll post these to my Instagram. But I was, like, so disappointed by my first painting. I I thought maybe I'll wait a while until I get a little better and then I'll start posting them. 